0: You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. What's going on, rookies, and welcome back to The Upland Rookie Podcast. I am your host, Will Larson, and as always, you know it. This is presented by Upland Brits. If you don't know what Upland Brits is, just type it into Instagram. It is kind of what started or started to propel uh, this whole thing forward. Uh, Started it out uh, originally. Fun fact. Originally my account was called gauge the Brittany. <laughs> yes, we, uh, we started this account when we were uh, about to pick up our, uh, our new eight week old Brit from, uh, from the family we picked him up from. And, uh, yeah, we changed it shortly after, uh, I think there was one other name. I forget what it was before, uh, changing it and branding it to Upland Brits. But anyways, a fun little insider fact for you there. Uh, yeah, here we go. Let's get into some sponsors. Yukonuba uh, Premium Performance Dog Food. If you want to get everything your dog's got, then you need nutrition that holds nothing back. To help unleash your dog's maximum potential, check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance Lineup at yukonubaSportingDog.com. Also, our newest sponsor, Trinity Bretons. Trinity Bretons is the home of the Epignol Breton, yes, that's how you say it, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from Champion bloodlines that are field-tested and family-approved. For 32 years, Trinity Bretons has worked to offer you the best-bred Epignol Bretons in the country, period now offering the Trinity Upland Academy to help each Trinity Breton client attain and develop the highest level of training available with George Hickox. Trinity is committed to producing premium Epinyol Bretons for the field trailer and foot hunter alike, angels in the home and demons in the field. Trinity Bretons offers puppies, the Trinity, Tr- Upland Academy. <laughs> Trinity Upland Academy with George Hickox started dogs as well as stud services. Find out a whole lot more and contact Josh at trinitybritons.com. Also find them all over Instagram. I also want to thank my affiliates of the podcast, Dakota 283, Cable Gangs, Brendan Landry, thank you very much, as well as Onyx Hunt. All right, we're going to start with Onyx Hunt today. Guys, I've said it for a couple weeks in a row now. You need to get Onyx Hunt if you are not on it already. Guys, this is an amazing app on your phone, uh, Apple, and Android. Uh, they also have a web app version um, that you can use on any computer, just a web address that you type in. And, guys, on my lunch break at work, um, gosh, pretty much all the time, guys, at night, I'm at home, I'm podcasting, I'm <laughs> looking at Onyx constantly, uh, scouting out new public lands, borders, uh, boundaries. Uh, Private land, who owns this piece of property? How is it connected? What's the best roadway in? Uh, You name it. Uh, guys this this is one of the best uh, tools i believe out there uh, for upland hunters Uh, they also have a brand new uh, crop data layer Um, so they have all sorts of layers you can turn on or off and view these maps and this crop data layer guys is going to be changing the game for upland hunters Um, we show you uh, uh, crop rotations uh, in certain areas Uh, i'm not quite sure if it's rolled out in every state yet i know they've They've got a pretty healthy uh, state population so far. Um, I need to dig into that a little bit further, but um, really, really going to change the game for upland hunters with that new crop data layer. Uh, Cable Gangs, you've heard me talk about them quite a bit. Uh, looking for a new uh, chain gang system? Uh, hit up Brennan with Cable Gangs, G-A-N-G-Z, uh, Instagram and Facebook, and uh, let him know that you listen to the podcast. He's going to hook you up with a free item. And lastly, Dakota 283, Greg Con- Greg Cronkite. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Uh, he just, it's just been a huge blessing to me and the podcast. It uh, allowed us to do that huge giveaway that we announced on the podcast. Last week, uh, gave away a Dakota G3 medium kennel as well as a dining dash or a dash watering system. So Upland Nash was the winner of that uh, giveaway. Congrats Upland Nash on uh, on on taking that uh, <laughs> that pretty sweet prize pack uh, from Dakota 283. So again, thank you to them. Uh, if you need to pick up any products from Dakota, uh, go ahead and use my promo code. That's T U R Ten to save ten percent off your order uh, with Dakota Two Eighty Three. All right, guys, that's all the sponsor stuff I have to go over. Um, today's episode is with a good buddy of mine. Um, we've been following each other on Instagram for for a little while. Um, he actually was recommended from Jeremy Lowry. Jeremy freaking Lowry, dude. This guy is a good, really good friend of mine. By the way, Jeremy, love you, man. Um, Jeremy has suggested so many good podcast guests, uh, for me. And, uh, this is another one. I, I got to throw it back to Jeremy and say, thank you for this suggestion. Um, This interview with Scott that you're about to hear, uh, Scott Stoner. um, He runs Poodle Pointers down in Texas. Yes, the Texas. Great state of Texas. Um, Scott and I had a great, great conversation. Kind of funny story. Our first episode we tried to record is a night my power randomly went out uh, as we were recording so thankfully we were only about, uh, 15 or 20 minutes in. So we jumped on the next day, got this, uh, ep- episode recorded and, uh, just had a great time, uh, getting to know Scott. Um, he recently had, uh, litter of puppies born. Uh, I think he did. This was his first breeding, I believe. And you'll hear a little bit more uh, about that, uh, in this episode, but overall great guy I actually got to meet him when I was down in Texas on vacation. Uh, him and I connected for a little bit, just grabbed coffee and stuff. And so really, really humble, honest guy who really has an incredible story, um, even outside of upland hunting, um, just his career path, what he does professionally, um, is really cool. Um, working with dogs, service animals, therapy dogs, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I really hope you're going to enjoy this episode, but, uh, I wanted to go over a couple things. Um, and maybe we'll call this will's random thoughts <laughs> but uh hey we're getting pretty close to uh September first here we are uh gosh probably under thirty days away now uh, by the time you're listening to this and guys have fun this year that's all I gotta say is have fun this year um I know a lot of buddies of mine um got new puppies uh very recently maybe in the last like three or four weeks don't get frustrated and don't expect that say twelve week old puppy to point a rooster don't expect that puppy to run a hundred yards quarter in front of you uh, don't expect to shoot over them <laughs> just just lower your expectations guys. I was there. I was there for yeah nearly four years ago. Uh, with my dog gauge my first bird dog and so excited and and all this stuff um and he was he was a little older going into his first season um i because i got him in october i think we picked him up in october so hunting season already started um i I wasn't super far down that path yet of upland hunting so i didn't quite have that that addictive bug yet (laughs) um but i was i was tempted i was tempted at time to just uh, go out to eastern colorado and throw him on the ground and see what happens but I'm thankful I didn't. I was patient, um, let him develop, so he didn't hunt until that following year. But I used that springtime um, when he was a few months older and, and started training and working on gun breaking and quartering and you know getting him on birds and all that stuff. So all that to say, guys, um, it's going to come with time. Don't don't feel like you're behind. Your dogs can get behind. Um, if you picked up a puppy in July or August, even September one enjoy that dog. Let him, let them get used to you and your family, um, driving in the car with you. It's about the simple things that's going to develop that dog into a, a, a good citizen of this world. Um, so don't, don't rush the process. Don't try to hurry up and start shooting blank pistols over its head at, at, you know, 12 weeks old. Um, just come up with a plan, ask for help. If you need help. Um, There's plenty of people in this community that will will be willing to lend advice, answer questions, uh, find a a local hunt club or someone near you. Um, You know, you meet some people, ask them questions, get to know, get to see things. Hey, how do you do this with a puppy of this age? Just take this season, take it slow, enjoy it, enjoy the puppy time. Um, Because it it does go by fast, guys. I I have uh, gauges, it's going to be four this month uh that's kind of hard to believe he's that's not old by any means but that's you know four four years man we've been going at this four years he's four years old he's not as maybe fast as he was at one year old you know gosh when they're one man they are just tearing it up (laughs) not controlled but just tearing it up (laughs) just just kind of crazy so enjoy the time everyone um you know what, what kind of bird dog you got i don't care if you got a pointing lab well i do care if you got a pointing lab it's a little, we need to talk about that. But if you've got a GSP, Vishla, Setter, Brittany, Llewellyn Setter, Pointing Griffon thing, your um, Hair, whatever breed, I, I literally don't care. They're all great bird dogs. They're going to find birds. They're going to be great companions, friends to you. Take care of them. Just enjoy this time as their puppies. Let them develop, let them grow and uh and yeah you you veteran hunters out there maybe you got a couple older dogs on your string maybe you got a couple older dogs in your house cherish this time guys um i don't know why i'm just getting all sentimental right now I'm getting a little sappy <laughs> it's just hitting me man these these dogs work hard for us they uh they want to please us they want to work with us the good ones at least and uh just just take care of them cherish these hunts cherish these these memories going into the season um, you know, for some of us, man, this if you have an older dog, this might be the last season before you need to retire them, before they, they, you know, really can hunt much longer. I mean, they might be slowing down so bad that this is maybe you're making that decision soon if you're going to, you know, retire them from hunting. Um, some hard stuff coming up and, uh, just soak it in, soak in this season with those veteran dogs. Uh, you look back through old photos, memories. Talk with your buddies around the campfire, around uh, around the tailgate. Just on uh, what those dogs did for you. Share with those new guys out there. You know, share about the hard times you had with your dogs. You know, we don't share enough about the hard times, about the times that we lost our dog for an hour, the times that the dog you know blew up a covey and we didn't get a bird that day, the time the dog had a face full of, you know, porcupine quills. There's so many things that I don't think we share with the younger guys or the younger girls, um, that were hard for, for the you veteran hunters. Share those stories, share those experiences that, uh, were difficult for you that, you know, weren't perfect, weren't ideal. Share how you screwed up sometimes with your dog or shared how, you know, you missed those, those birds that season, whatever it might be. Uh, it, it it's real. It's what happens to all of us. And those new guys and girls coming up through the ranks, coming up into the uplands. um, We need to hear those. We need to hear that you didn't have it all figured out just like we feel because, because we feel that same way. I'm I'm four years into this and I still feel I'm I'm brand new and it it helps me sometimes. I'm talking to older guys that just share, Hey, yeah, I, I messed up on this part or I got that wrong. Um, it, it It's probably humbling for them, but it also helps those younger folks uh it helps humanize those people we look up to and realize, hey, like they learned too, they messed up too, so I'm sorry. This is going way too long now. I'm, this is getting too sappy. I'm sorry, guys. I'm just, I'm just being real. It's late at night right now. I'm recording this uh, intro, and I'm just, I'm just feeling all the feels. Excited for this season, 2021-22 uh, coming up here in the next few weeks. Um, so all that to say, guys, uh, enjoy this episode with Scott Stoner uh, running some great poodle pointers. I did get to meet Lady in person. Um, she was a new mama when I met her down in Texas and uh man she's just uh she's a beautiful looking dog great uh great mama to those puppies. and uh yeah yeah you guys enjoy this episode uh what what's that been like you're in full uh puppy mode right now
1: yeah she's got so they're what two days three days old she had them tuesday night to Wednesday. yeah yeah so yeah no, it's weighing them twice a day they're all really small which is what i wanted so i bred two small dogs because i wanted to keep them small so they're, you know, like comparing them to other poodle pointer weights are all pretty tiny. So I was been kind of nervous about watching them and it'd yeah. be my first litter. It's like, I'm going to make sure it's all right.
0: Yeah, so. definitely. Definitely. You, did you just do like a crap ton of research before all this and just start reading up on so litters well, and breeding and all that? Yeah. Litter?
1: So one of my good friends that I train with a lot, Kirk, he, his dog just had a litter a month ago. He's a Napa breeder, like in the, 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 you know, the club. Uh and so his best friends also like one of his good friends is also our a our, our reproduction vet. So I got lucky. Like he lives reproduction vets 20 minutes for me, Kirk's 20 minutes for me. Kirk was here the night and helped me like deliver them the first oh, night nice. and stayed here until I think like two a.m. or one a.m. and I delivered the last three solo. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, I read a lot, watched a lot of videos, kind of just did, you know, yeah, a lot of research. And then I went and Helped him with Judy one day or one okay. night. So her and what's good is hers was way worse. Like she had like fluids. I mean it was. I mean I expected ladies to be terrible, and ladies I was like, eh, no, pushed no okay. out. I mean she had first three within an hour, which is ridiculously. Wow,
0: fast. that's really quick.
1: Yeah, so that's awesome. And then, it was, man. then it was like every other one was two hours in between. Made okay me stay up late <laughs>
0: <laughs> makes for a long makes for a long night
1: i don't think it would have been as bad if it was during the day that's probably the, the roughest part is you have to pull an all-nighter basically and then you're nervous about all of them latching on oh know, sure you then make you're sure they're all eating and she's a first-time mom so i was like i'm gonna make sure she doesn't lay on them how she gonna move, move them and she's doing everything perfect like she's moving them with her tongue she's not picking them up i mean like yeah. i've also seen her you know when i got her as a younger dog, we had chickens and they got out one day and like, they laid an egg in the yard. She brought the egg through our dog door and set it like right there. And it wasn't broken. And I like looked there and I was like, I asked my wife, I was like, what babe, how did an egg get here? And she was like, I don't know. And so then I realized, like, I think she brought it in. So I went and set it out there. I told her to go get the egg. Well, she brought it back, not broken. Then as soon as she dropped it, it broke that time. And I was like, wow, oh, well, that's how I got here. She just didn't break it the first time. That's arm.
0: wild. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, that's good. You don't you don't want a dog hard mouthing it. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, dude, congrats. That's, uh, that's very exciting. I'm glad puppies are healthy. Glad ladies healthy. And that's, uh, I'm also glad we got this podcast scheduled. because <laughs> Yeah. The last time you and I tried this, uh, my power went out. So uh-huh. yeah, that was sure. uh, that was kind of a weird, <laughs> kind of a weird thing. But
1: yeah, uh, I definitely understand. We had that snowmageddon where we didn't have power for days here. Yeah, we had, like we're on like the hospital grid, so ours never went out. But we okay, had, like people coming over and like nice. yeah, they didn't have power for a week.
0: Okay, <laughs> well maybe we're gonna be down near you uh, next, starting next Thursday. So maybe yeah if you're maybe bored, I might maybe, yeah maybe I might try to uh see some puppies jump on over, see some puppies, so it might be fun, yeah,
1: I'm right by the lake, I mean, I'm at 366 in Dow rock, it's kind of like a main
0: okay, okay, off to I'll have to shoot you kind of where we're where we're at, but love to love to connect with you for sure um all right brother let's let's dive in, I know it's early, it's five like five thirty ish here. it's a little later your time, but you look t- more tired than I do, I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> <laughs> I think the the uh, oh, I all night
1: good sleep last night is a sad part i was like four <laughs> hours was good for me well you're playing catch was, up yeah. you're playing
0: catch up still so that's all right <laughs> um so scott uh put us on the map and uh just just give everyone a, a glimpse just a brief overview you know who who is scott
1: yeah so i'm uh scott stoner i live in rockwall which is east of dallas texas Uh, I own a substance use treatment facility, and I also just now started breeding poodle pointers, but I kind of train service slash hunting dogs, which is, uh, you know, unique. And so that's, that's me in a nutshell. I'm a dad, I'm a husband, Uh, I have an adopted son Eli, he'll be two on the 27th. So of next month, July 27th, he'll turn two. Uh, So that's me in a quick nutshell.
0: Nice, nice, man. Um, And you have one or two poodle pointers?
1: I have one. One, okay. Uh, just lady. Two, one other one right now.
0: Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah,
1: right. I'm gonna take one of these puppies. So I'll have two. I guess I have two technically
0: now. I got not eight right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how many? How many puppies total did she have? Seven. 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 Okay. Seven. Okay. So okay. Nice. Five I know, males,
1: two females.
0: Okay. Nice. And will you? Will you keep a male or female?
1: Uh, honestly, I haven't decided yet. Okay. So my goal is just to make sure that uh, one another, the both sexes of the dogs go to a place where it'll get tested to where I can at least breed it. And then the other ones at least go somewhere where I know they're going to get hunted a ton. Uh, and so it depends on what the stone owner is going to take and he hadn't decided yet, or if he's going to take one. So, okay.
0: So it's, a, it's kind of gonna, a domino effect. You're yeah, waiting. I'm waiting
1: for that one. And then I'll kind of figure that out, but, uh, Yeah, he hasn't decided up until like yesterday. So,
0: okay, sounds good. Sounds good. More info to come. Um, Let's get into a little bit. um, I I find your career. um, We've chatted a little bit uh, prior to jumping on here. Just so your career path is pretty interesting. Um, Can you expand on that a little bit more? um, Kind of what you do for work and then also how do dogs interject with that or intersect?
1: Yeah. So uh, I started this job, I guess, in 2011, 2012 um but in 2011 I went to or 2000 yeah 2011 October 16 2011 I went to treatment for opiate use for heroin addiction and so uh I decided then that you know I always liked helping people so I was going to just be a counselor afterwards and so I was just going to kind of uh take that career path and I've always wanted to have my own business um kind of do my own thing and so I figured you know I'll figure out how to start a treatment center, residential, outpatient, whatever kind of I had to do. And so uh, from treatment, you know, I went and lived in a halfway house, went to school and kind of started that journey and then became a counselor, worked as an intern. uh, And then now I currently operate as a drug court counselor for the 417th District Court. Uh, And so that It's an adolescent drug court. And we created a program that uses or utilizes incentives instead of sanctions. So we try to make the kids have fun uh, instead of saying you're going to jail, which Mm. is, you know, what they kind of need to hear. Their brain works better on those type of pathways. And so we really kind of try to find those things and, and how dogs play a role in all that is. Uh, well, Lady's personally my service dog, but she's also a, a trained therapy dog. So when kids are in group and, you know, it's, it's weird for kids to sit around in a circle and talk about their feelings and about what upsets them and stuff like that. And so they get nervous, they get anxious. Um, and so I've trained Lady to do some little things that... If a kid were to tap his fingers and she goes over there and does space clearing in front of them or leans on them. So they can pet her. Uh, if you tap your shoulders, she'll give you a hug. She'll sit in your lap. Uh, she'll also, you know, detect adrenaline levels and cortisol spikes and kind of go to the person that has the highest ones of those.
0: Wow. Uh, and
1: so she plays a role in that. And I mean, honestly, like I've, I've worked with like a 13 year old who you could tell to not want to talk. And I bring lady in there and he's like hugging on her by the end of the thing on the ground. So wow. uh, it she, she kind of makes my job easier, if I had to wow. say, because uh, she just, I mean, it's hard to be upset when a dog is sitting there, like letting you pet it and, you know, is super sweet. And so uh, that's how she kind of helps in my my job and how I kind of got into it.
0: And that's, that's really cool. Um, So many questions there. (laughs) Um, So are you, so when you're in these therapy sessions, um, are you, is it you're, you're counseling these kids? Are you walking? Like, is it a counseling job that you are? Sorry, my alarm's going off. Um, uh, Are you counseling with these kids and the dogs just there for kind of uh, therapy and reinforcement aid or like,
1: so I've done a little bit of everything. So my, my program that I created is more, uh, life skills development, more walk and talks, more, uh, learning, like how to do real things. And so ladies done, I mean, sometimes she is just sitting there. Sometimes I'll ask them if they want her to sit next to them and I'll make her go, you know, I just point and tell her go and she'll go sit there. Um, but sometimes I've also used her like to teach you how to train dogs, you know, mm. like show her like, Hey, this is what also you can do with them. That makes them kind of fun. So, I mean there's been kids and working with the judicial system you can't use guns so i'm not allowed to like uh take them hunting <laughs> sure. thought about i've honestly honestly <laughs> thought about picking up falconeering or like falconry just oh that'd to, be kind of cool i could be like yeah. all right well we get to do everything now <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but no so it's kind of triggered that but you know when i go fishing with them i take lady and so she'll play get some bumpers in the water and kind of show them that that's the side of what she can do. Um, I work with adult patients too. And so I've worked with some adult patients who wanted to learn to train dogs. And so I would do like individual counseling sessions where we were training dogs together and I would kind of talk to them in a different environment. And I've found that that helps a lot. And so uh,
0: that's, that's really cool. Is that something you stepped a program you already stepped into, or did you create that program from the ground up?
1: Um, well, so I was the program manager at a place that used a lot of art therapy and kind of had some different stuff, but I am—I think I'm probably the first experiential type program that's done that because no one wanted to take the liability. You know, you are taken 15 to 18 year old, 10 of them that are on probation at a time to a public place, like two people it could be risky, I guess. Uh, I just didn't really care. I wanted to kind of just go around those barriers. And <laughs> just give it a them. shot. Yeah. I mean, I like, want, I mean, end of the day, like I, if no one's done it and I think they like it and it's what helped me the most, uh let's go do it with these kids. Cause I honestly like a lot of my recovery, a lot of what's helped me the most is all the stuff that I was taught as a kid. I just wasn't utilizing it. You know, like mm-hmm. my brain had gotten dependent on substances instead of finding all these hobbies, like hunting, fishing dogs. Uh, I mean, I got, I'm hatching birds now, I got pigeons, mm-hmm. you know, there's a whole bunch of just random, things that my dad you know we had turtles as a kid like just random stuff that i was kind of taught and i try to pass that stuff along to them along with the therapy so i do like a cognitive behavior therapy which helps you reprocess and retrain kind of those neural pathways in the front of your brain to see yourself in a healthier light see the, the world mm-hmm. kind of in a healthier light um and so that's what i I utilize the most probably is cognitive behavior therapy when I'm actually working with someone therapeutically. It's not all just oh let's go out and have fun. Um, there is kind of some madness or method to the madness there. Yeah,
0: that's great, man. So on the uh, on like I guess the education side, when you were you know studying going to school for this, were dogs a part of that? Um, like, did you like when did the dogs come into play with your career or education? So.
1: Personally, I got my first service type dog and she was before service dogs were really a thing, but she'd go to school with me. She went to church with me she kind of went everywhere. Uh, My house burned down when I was in high school Mm. and we lost two dogs. Mm. Uh, And so we went to Canton, the largest flea market in the state of Texas and bought two dogs. Um, One of them happened to be a lab that I was going to make our hunting dog. Uh, didn't know word or thing about dogs or labs or any type of animal. Um, but that was the first dog I actually trained personally and owned. I grew up with my uncle, not, I don't grow up with him, but I hunted with him and he had a lab, uh, Lacey who he could cast and she was a pheasant dog as well. Uh, so she was a great duck dog and pheasant dog. And he always would go to like Nebraska and stuff when I was younger. And I was just like, man, that seems really cool. Uh, I'd like to do that, but I only, I grew up just with uh, labs like duck hunting primarily, and dove hunting. So I didn't really get into upland until a couple of years ago. And uh, when I went off to college, they wouldn't allow uh, Blanca to go with me in my f- freshman year. And then my sophomore year, I had linoleum on the floor, and she couldn't even like put her feet down right. So <laughs> uh, there was, and by that point, she was my parents' dog. You know, sure. I, I wasn't getting that dog. Uh, and so I adopted um, like a it was a dachshund who I, she she was tra- she was trained to like go uh and alert on anyone that was crying which mm-hmm. is kind of weird to say that but if you start crying she would come jump in your lap or she'd sit right in front of you and squeak a toy mm-hmm. one of the two uh, and so i used her kind of in my therapy program when i first started that at the the facility i worked at and so i kind of saw the potential for the dogs in that in that area yeah. then so whenever i would bring her there uh, I sometimes bring her in my miniature pincher and like the kids in a circle and they'd be like their arena and they would just start mm. fighting. And those are like the calmest groups ever because all the kids were just like laughing, you know, like, oh man, this is, uh, and they'd open up a lot more. And so I started, I was like,
0: uh, be something, to, that. Yeah, maybe so something I, to
1: it. Yeah. I brought Carter. Carter was her name a lot to my the place I worked at. And then when she passed away, my wife at the time had a two dog rule. We've since busted down that wall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And so, uh, we're about to have our third, yeah, maybe fourth, who knows. Uh, but so she had two dog rolls. So when Carter passed away, that's when I actually, uh, got lady, but I had wanted a poodle pointer probably about two years prior after researching him, um, before I actually got her. So I kind of plugged around and looked for him then and was told we have two dogs. Uh, and so I got told no on that one, but after Carter passed away, I was like, well, we don't have two dogs anymore. So go yeah. my hunting dog therapy program dogs.
0: So. Totally. So so since you touched on that, like what what drew you to a poodle pointer? Is it just the versatility yeah. or or talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, so okay, so like I said, I love labs. I hate their hair. Like, I mean, it is the world's worst. That is the only thing. They're a Christmas tree when they shake. Like sure. and so I'm an adult now. I don't want to deal with all that. So I went to and this is like heresy in the poodle pointer world. Uh, I went to a forum and posted, Hey, I'm looking for a hunting golden doodle or lab doodle breeder. And this was, <laughs> I guess, five or six years ago. And basically I was told that doesn't exist. And I was like, dang it. Uh, but then two guys commented ones, AJ, who's actually the stud owners, stud owner. I use, and my friend that I hunt with in the panhandle, the others, Kirk, the guy I mentioned earlier that I train with both commented and said, Hey, if you're an actual hunter, you should probably look at this breed, uh, but don't get one if you're not a hunter like if you're not prepared to like spend some time with them they're going to be amped all the time you're not going to enjoy it which at the time i was like trying to call me a non-hunter dude you don't even know me (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, but now after owning the dog it's like yeah if you don't i mean if you don't have 15 minutes a day to go run it and you don't teach it its job it will be nuts because i've trained i mean i've worked with some that are nuts and after a month of working with them they're not because they learn their job so uh that's that's how i found them and then i just started uh you know i got mine from cedar woods which is like the oldest or second oldest tied with, uh, the oldest, biggest breeder there ever has been Bob Ferris is his name. He wrote a book, literally how to train and breed versatile hunting dogs. Mm. Um, and I think I just bugged him too much. And he finally gave me one. <laughs> he was, uh, I would send him all these breedings that I was finding from just random people on the, the NAVDA website. And yeah. he, uh, he was like, these are all terrible. He goes, I have a good one in Minnesota coming up. I'll put you on the list. I think I was 10th on the list because she was 10, she was one of 10. Okay. Uh, and I was never told her I was out on the list. So I assume that meant pretty far down. Uh, but he was like, you know, you got picked, you're going to go here. This, you, know, it, you didn't pick your dog or anything like that. It was like, you know, I got yeah. even red yeah. was her name at the this day. Is it. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where, where that started. So, but so when you
0: post. were... When you were wanting to pick up uh, the Poodle Pointer, uh, was it in the back of your mind that at that time you wanted to also have her be a service dog? Or did that come later? Yeah.
1: No, I knew I wanted her to be a service dog. Um, I've always liked having my dogs everywhere. I kind of live my life like with a dog around. And I I, I like that. It helps me a lot personally. And then, uh, so yeah, no, I kind of had the intention and I did a lot of stuff early on with her to kind of get her ready for that. I mean, at four or five months, she was in a vest going everywhere with me. I mean elevators, stairways, escalators, like everything you could think of to get her weirded out um, just to just to normalize it, so I could take her stuff
0: yeah so and so what uh so i mean so you touched on that I mean, it sounds like you started her service training pretty early was service training and hunting and obedience with were you were you doing all that simultaneously, mm-hmm. or did you kind of work on things in chunks or blocks when training her
1: yeah, so I like to do like circular training kind of, you know, like if I'm doing a training model or method that day, I'll have a planned kind of have, I live right next to this park. So I walk it, and I'll set up stuff that is for each type of skill that I want to work on that day. And so I would kind of do a little bit of everything, you know, with the adrenaline cortisol spikes, I would put like toys out that were smelling like that and make her go pick the one that smelled the most. And that's how I started training that early on. Uh, you know, whenever you're kind of doing the discipline stuff, you, you make, you know, and I use a lot of different words for different stuff. I mean, she has stay and she has place and they're separate meanings. Uh, she also has like, go to your bed. Um, she has different things and they all kind of mean the same, but different styles, uh, because she has a bed at different places. She has a different area. I want her to play sometimes and different things like that. And so I would kind of just work on it. Fluid type. Now I will say with Navda, I had to not do as much duck hunt training as I like to do. So like being a lab guy, you know, casting is like the first thing we really start trying to push dogs to after you get them fetched after they'll fetch. And so, uh, I couldn't do that with her early on, so that'd probably be the only thing thing that i trained differently for
0: was that because you shouldn't do that or just didn't have time to work on that
1: no it's because uh it messes with their duck search for the the navd utility test Mm -hmm. which is what i wanted to get done to her before i bred her since it's my first time i wanted to it's it's technically they make that standard for males like all the males have to pass utility tests females only have to have a natural ability test uh, pass and i did that with her at like five months five and a half months so she was super young for that and you have up until 18 months. And so my goal was to try to get her UT tested before, uh, she was two. So I could get her ready for duck season before then. But then, uh, COVID hit kind of, and like canceled all the tests. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of like lost, uh, I was like, I ain't gonna train right now. I don't even know if there's tests. And so I ended up not testing her until she was a little after two. Um, and she actually injured herself the first time on the mm-hmm. first test and got a, like a oh, I think I,
0: barbed wire or something.
1: Oh, well, so there's, well, she's injured herself on two different tests. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So the first when she was five months, she hit barbed wire and sliced her arm open on a track. So they have to track a live pheasant and then bring it back. Uh, and then she finished the test then still was able to finish. Uh, this time she, she launches in water and I've tried so many times like now if i hunt timber i just have to check right in front of where she's at so Mm -hmm. she's not going to impale herself um but she's always launched i mean she Mm -hmm. loves the water so she launched in nebraska on her duck search and took a stick through the foot oh i mean like there was a hole from top to bottom and it got like stuck in there i mean like i had to go get it abscessed out a couple days later and so she she actually still and then i didn't know what was up with her so she came back three-legged 10 feet into a send and i'm like what is this (laughs) I was like, I have a plan B. this isn't even on the plan. Uh, so my dog comes up through like, and I look at the judge. I was like, what do I do? They're like, your dog needs to search. And I was like, oh, I thought I was hoping it was just a sticker. So she was cued when I trained her, I cued her off splashes to go. If she was, uh, acting weak, yeah. so I had a rock in my pocket chunked it recenter and she searched for like eight minutes they have to search for 10 so if she would have searched for the 10 she would have gotten something but she did eight and came back and i could tell when she came back like i she wouldn't even walk uh Mm. to the like i had to like carry her to the car and uh kind of see
0: what was up but yeah that's brutal man (laughs) that's brutal um something you just you touched on so how because this is something that's not talked about on, on honey podcast but i think it's pretty interesting how do you train a dog to like uh cue in on like adrenaline spikes or a kid crying like how just go over like the basics of how the hell do you do that?
1: So it's more simple than you think. So adrenaline, uh I mean it's a smell. Like we don't smell it. They do. And so you can you can buy that scent. And so you just you get can it. buy?
0: Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah oh, it's wow.
1: for service work. Uh I don't know if it's actually called adrenaline scent. Let me see what I can tell you. But it's uh it's yeah, no there is uh
0: no way. Yeah, you can use what I I had no idea.
1: Yeah. So you can buy that scent, put it on stuff, and then uh, you know, make her kind of alert to it. And then there's also like they have, you know, like what they use for I don't know if you've ever seen how uh sniff sniffing dogs are trained. Um, but they have, you know, uh like tubes that they'll put their nose in. And if they put their nose mm-hmm. in the right one, they get a treat there. Oh. And so the treat will also be where the drilling one is, and so you kind of train them that way. Um the baby, the crying thing. So some of it too is natural. So you got to just know what to look at for the dog. That's why I think it takes so long for people to train service dogs because a lot of them, you have to learn their cues and then train off of it. So, you know, sometimes for like the weight bearing, when normally a dog puts their shoulders on you, you get them down, right? You're like, no, bad dog. Well, if I'm teaching a dog to weight bear, I just need to teach that command to them and let them know that's the only time they do that. Mm. So when she would start putting her shoulders on me, I'd say, hug, good hug. And I would tap my shoulders for her. Well now, you know, repetition, uh, operant conditioning, she does that automatically. Like if I just say lady hug, you know, she comes and gives me a hug. Um, the crying thing, uh, Carter was, a. I think she had like a deficiency in salt. If I'm being honest, okay. she, would, she would lick sweat too. She oh, okay. Sweat. So I would just kind of utilize that. And anytime she knew, like I could go lick their <laughs> tears. Uh, I don't know exactly how she, she trained for that, but like she, uh, she kind of just naturally would do that anytime you, you had those issues. And so, uh, space clearing, you know, that's pretty easy too. Cause you know, if the dog starts walking in a circle around you, you kind of make them, you just teach them a thing you tell her like someone laid you, what
0: is, what would space clearing be used for?
1: So space clearing's for people who have anxiety disorders. So it gets people away from you makes you feel like you're kind of in your own space, uh, kind of as a grounding technique. So it's what I, you know,
0: uh. And so yeah. so if you have, you have a uh, student who you're working with feeling anxious feeling nervous like you would send her around that student
1: yeah so it, it kind of depends on what the student wants so sometimes or what i want so mo- so she's her therapy work and service work are technically two different things oh, really? uh, some of her stuff is service yeah because the service dog is different than just like a therapy dog so uh like a part of my stories i have like a, a old like a license like a diagnosis like, i mean you know i was diagnosed with some some uh, anxiety disorders when I was younger and stuff. And so uh, I used to have like panic attacks and things like Mm. that. And so she, uh, like the the space clearings for me, the weight bearing is for patients and me. So sometimes like you know, uh, if a patient's feeling anxious, then she'll just go sit on their lap and put pressure. And she'll also use her head. So she'll just walk up to you and, and use her head and push it on you. And start applying pressure so it's kind of is like a distraction. So like whenever people start having panic attacks as a therapist, I teach some grounding techniques, uh, which is find something you can touch, something you can smell, uh, something you can see, hear, like get all your senses going because mm. uh, the way I kind of approach anxiety is it's like a natural thing that we had from when we needed it like when humans needed survival um, and you get anxious because you think about what happens during panic attacks, you start sweaty, you get sweaty, your heart rate increases, you're mm-hmm. more alert, everything's on fire, like you're like ready to go, uh, kind of freaking out. And that would have been good if like I was having to run away from an animal or I was trying to kill a buffalo, you know, like, and I was back in the day, but now like, I don't need it when I go to Tom Thumb. Uh, I don't need it when I'm walking down the street, like uh, it's pretty unnecessary but you know life or death i probably still would need it you know like if i had felt like something was happening, my son had to grab him fast like that that that's there so it's not necessarily like it's a bad thing it's just when it's uncontrollable it's bad so i try to teach the grounding technique stuff and uh, that's where she plays a big role in that especially during the tr- therapy type too because uh the space clearing and those anxieties happen a lot in the therapy world so that's what she's kind of cued for to train us in the therapy
0: department that's- that's incredible, man. I'm just, <laughs> just so blown away by that to have, um, not only to have a badass hunting dog. Cause it, I mean, at least from your Instagram, she looks like a badass hunting dog. Um, but to have that, that therapy slash service dog side of her, um, that is pretty cool. Like, how did you, uh, was it just because you had to learn how to train for that stuff? Or like, how did you learn how to train for like that service and therapy side for the dog? Um, <laughs> That's like a whole nother world that yeah, black people aren't so exposed to.
1: That's what they call, they call them owner trained service dogs. I think you can go get a license to train service dogs. Technically. I don't have that. I kind of just, and I don't even know if that's like a legitimate thing. Um, a lot of my service training work comes from, you know, going to counseling school and learning like what techniques helped with that and seeing how dogs can assist with that or animals could assist with that. And so I just take that and put that into the service therapy part of it. Uh, as far as learning how to train dogs. I mean, I, I ran VHS is when I was in high school on how to train a hunting dog. And so
0: like VHS is, <laughs> yeah. we're going, we're going old school
1: from a library. We didn't have, I didn't have like internet was barely like around when I first got my first hunting dog, like there wasn't much forums back then, you know, like, and I was, I've been a computer person my whole life. So I would, I knew how to research that, but yeah, no, I, I would rent stuff from like the library. I can't even, I wish I could find those, what I actually learned to train from my first time. Hmm. Um, like for hunting dogs but the service dog work. No, I, I've read a lot of books and then I look at owner trained service dog stuff and then just kind of taught myself, uh, ask some random people. There's some groups like on Facebook where people train them and they give you ideas of different things to do. I mean, and you can look at different tasks and I just kind of started researching it and did it myself.
0: Yeah, man. That's, that's pretty incredible. Hey, let's, uh, let's transition over to hunting side a little bit. Um, how was, how was this past season for you? What, uh, what'd you get out and do? or oh, chase man.
1: so this season was fun i like i said i have an almost two-year-old and i still hunted i think like 40 something days out of the year
0: nice well done pretty, pretty it's possible ridiculous. people it's possible i got five kids and i i, I didn't hunt as it much is. i had a back injury this past season but still i was able to uh, get out there so
1: yeah i got lucky i actually i've only been a public land hunter until this last year really uh <laughs> i have my I got a duck lease that's like 20 minutes, 25 minutes from my house. And so I could be back home by like eight 30, I would get the first few good flights in and be able to like take my son to uh, daycare or mother's day out. Um, and then my work schedule completely shifts during hunting season. So everything goes, especially during duck season, everything goes to the afternoon, so I don't see patients before noon during the hunting <laughs> season. Uh, and then, you know, when I travel. I try to make them quick i did i mean like i went to the dakotas or south dakota say at least the state right south dakota <laughs> uh and i did it was like a 14 hour drive so we drove there got there at 4 a.m slept in the field literally like pulling the truck in the field slept there and then uh hunted saturday sunday left after our sunday limit at like 11 got back here at like 3 a.m <laughs> i worked on monday there you so go that it's, it's, was, it's, uh, it's
0: doable you gotta put the work yeah. in you know sleep a little less but it's uh it's possible yeah that's awesome did you uh, do you mostly hunt so waterfall upland is it kind of half and half is it more waterfall <sighs> well, for you
1: it's more wa- it's more waterfowl just because of where i live i mean there's okay. not i mean i I've guided some hunts and I, I, guide at like a preserve around here, but there's no wild birds within four hours of me, probably maybe three. I could find some up in Oklahoma or West Texas, um, quail, if the quail population is doing good, but that's hit or miss all the time. And mm-hmm. so you kind of just have to chase that water that year where mm-hmm. it was at. Um, but no, it's, it's kind of, I have to just duck hunt a lot because that's what is around here. And I really do enjoy public lake hunting, even though I had that lease, I probably went equally as much to public lakes around me this year. Cause, uh, it's, it's kind of fun to, hike in you know three hours and shine off people with boats and like honey holes <laughs> and shoot like two main limits i mean i saw we hiked in on the coldest day this year and we saw flocks of 20 to 40 50 pintails which is unheard wow. of for us down here just like wow. we get to pick out our drakes we were like is that a flock a huge flock of pintails <laughs> like we couldn't believe it uh um, yeah. so you know it's it's Unfort- well not unfortunately, but it's mostly duck hunting here just because it's so far. But yeah, I've just, just you know, and just
0: based on what what you have down there and bird yeah, population and
1: Yeah, and this year I hunted, you know, so I hunted South Dakota, Kansas, Colorado, Texas, uh, all for Upland. I went to the panhandle to hunt upland and then yeah, the second yeah, so that's yeah, those are all the states I went to in, okay, I went nice. To Wyoming how, in September.
0: How was um how was Kansas and how was Colorado for you this year?
1: Uh, Colorado's fine. I did a lot more dove hunting there and the upland there is kind of few and far between. Um, yeah. I hunt but I love Kansas. Uh I have a good buddy that lives there and I like going there on turn and burn trips and just kind of public fielding it up and finding yeah. out. You have, know, like the
0: Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say they have some serious uh walk-in access land. It's it's, oh, it's plentiful.
1: So I mean, like, and that's what makes it kind of fun is you don't have to know anything; just go. I mean, that's what yeah. I did one of my first times. I was just like, I'm nowhere to go. I had a buddy that lived in a certain area, and he's like, Hey, these are some good spots. Uh, and my friend AJ, he was like, Yeah, go to this area. Actually, he sent me a couple of fields. He's like, Walk yeah. these. Yeah. Um, but no, there was it's good. I like uh, it's fun. It's more challenging. I will say, like South Dakota, this. I mean, I saw 50 to 100 bird flush and I'm like, not even like my first time, <laughs> first pheasant upland hunt ever. That's what I saw. I was like, oh Is it? this and what I, it's like? Yeah. And, and I guess I've learned now that it's not always like that. There are still some of those spots like that. Um, but no, uh, it, that was my very first hunt ever. And like my very first upland hunt, it was like the blind leading the blind. I took another, uh, he's actually a Napa breeder. I took another poodle pointer guy who had never done a wild bird hunt. Oh man. So, and
0: this is in South Dakota. Yeah. We just went, uh,
1: and we hunted and we all shot, I think, I don't think either of our dads got one. Okay. I think we both did. I don't know if either of the dads did, but we did duck hunting and pheasant hunting up there. And it was, like I said, we, none of us knew what we were doing as far as, uh, but But you,
0: but you went, I think that's, that's the important thing, man. So many people can get hung up on so many things, like the dog you have, the whatever the gear you don't have or do have whatever i think the important thing is just going figuring it out because like i went chase sharpies last year for the first time fell in love with it i had no idea what the hell i was doing but i learned a lot figure it out like dogs figure it out so i think that's the that's the takeaway people if you listen to this
1: yeah and well and i think the the thing is is people think you can read or learn stuff how to do it but 90% of I don't know when I'm hunting with ladies, I've learned to read her way better. So I watch her work and I'm like, all right, this is where we're headed. Like, you know, I'm going to gear her this way because like, that's, you know, reading your dog, I think has been the biggest thing that I've taken away from hunting these last two seasons and doing upland, uh, to make it better. Because the more I can read her, the better, like the higher chances are. Cause she's a better hunter than I am. Like legitimately she'll find yeah. birds when, yeah, I, there's no way I would see him there. So
0: yeah, I can't tell you how many times, um, my dog will want to go a certain direction when I'm solo hunting, And there's times I'm like, "Eh, I don't, I don't think you're right. Like, I I think we should go right. And time and time again, he locks up on point. I'm like, Oh crap. No, no, I got to go back the other way. Um, But you learn, you learn those cues. You learn to trust your dog's nose over our gut feelings.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and then like you know i they learn a lot too you know lady busted a ton of birds when she was young but i also didn't like i just took her out i taught her on that wild birds i was like you know what i'm gonna let you do this because that's how i wanted to you know i wanted her to range a lot i wanted her to run hard and fast and i didn't want to slow her down so i was like all right go learn naturally mm. um and she the first season she had some solid points um this last season i threw in chickens and sharpies and that mind messed her mind up <laughs> but uh, she got she pointed some i mean she that's awesome. A lot. And she it was that was fun. Those are fun to hunt. I hunted those, I guess, September or August of last year. Okay. That that was that was that turn and burn trip to South Dakota I made. Okay. Nice. Just for chickens and sharpies.
0: That's awesome. Are you you said uh you're gonna try Wyoming this year?
1: Yeah, I have a buddy that lives, uh, he's actually a game warden in Wyoming. I grew up playing video games with him. (laughs) Oh nice. There you go. Uh but he uh he's like he just he moved there, I guess, last year. He originally is from North Dakota. Okay. Uh, but he moved there last year and he's like, yeah, the sage grails here are great. You should come. That's by. awesome. And so I kind of want that's a, one of the target birds I have this year is a sage grouse Cause I, like I said, I'm new to upland. Like, I mean, like I shot my first pheasant, chicken, quail, sharp tail, all that within the, for the last two years. I yeah. mean, so it's still fairly all new to me and I'm trying to learn as much as I can. I, I think if I had to choose one, I don't know what I would choose. It's hard to pick, you know, if I like duck hunting or pheasant flushing or roost chickens flying i mean they all kind of have their perks they all make you a little excited in a different way and so i don't know they're all they're all fun i like quail too quail holding is fun yeah
0: as get great you get great dog work off off most of the quail and even sharpie sharpies hold really well for dogs and yeah roosters are I love roosters, but they are a pain in the butt to hunt sometimes with a, with a pointing dog. Hey, talk about, uh, so poodle pointers kind of in general, but also lady, like what's her, what's her natural range? Like what's her style? Is she a, I mean, kind of like a lab as far as range goes, like talk about that a little bit.
1: It depends. I mean, she'll range chicken hunting 350, 400 yards sometimes. Uh, thick cover, a hundred yards, 50. I mean, she kind of changes for what it's in last year. That's what you want. uh, Right after it snowed in South Dakota, we were hunting and all the other dogs were working kind of far and lady was over here farting around like 30 yards to my right. And I'm like, God dang it. Seriously, what are you doing? (laughs) Next thing you know, she blocks up. I'm like, what the, and I mean, it's, it's literally like behind us almost at this point. And she flushed a, it was a hen. So we didn't shoot. And similar thing in the panhandle this year, like all the dogs ran to this brick wall of, uh, it was what do they call the rolling things? I just went blank. Uh, Tumble tumbleweed. tumbleweeds. yeah. Like and they were like four foot tall. Like they were <laughs> up to like my chest tall. And all the ber- dogs acted birdie there. Well, none of them would like go through it. Well, we start walking, and the next thing you know, I see ladies on point 35 yards behind me. I'm like, did she just stop? I was like, if that dog just sat down, I'm gonna go pick her up. So I'm like <laughs> half walking over, like kind of pissed off. Yeah. Uh and then she's on point, two roosters. Flush up. And so I mean, and I've seen her point, you know. 250 yards away and hold yeah. it. So she she kind of does both. Well, that's,
0: that's really good. It's kind of what you want as far as versatility goes. Like the dog adapts to the cover you're in, not not just, right. okay, We're she only hunts X yards right. away. It, yeah, it no, changes. And she,
1: she's, a, she's a track start too. So like her first two fields, she's going to fly. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's a lot faster than most. And then she starts slowing down. I mean, and she's only, she'll be three in September. So she's still a fairly young dog trained by first time upland guy to be honest so i'm hoping this year i'm I'm thinking this year will probably be one of her better years because it's kind of all started to connect the dots with her and uh yeah so no that's
0: i would would agree year year three is is where gage really turned it on he'll be four in august and um it's just this this past season i was like wow some things are just just clicked and and some more light bulbs (laughs) went on so that's a that's a fun year um let's see i wanted to ask you another thing oh uh i mean you're you're again you're fairly new upland hunter um you've done some waterfowl but like what's some something you would share with someone new like just getting into upland hunting um maybe they're just getting their first bird dog getting into upland this year even like what's something some piece of advice you would you would want to share with them
1: uh i would say you know like the best thing that's been for me is i joined a group. I found the guys that I thought were like the biggest time hunters that had good dogs, which I don't know, we all were poodle pointer people. So I just kind of attached to them and Kirk, honestly, like, you know, finding people to help you. Like, I mean, like getting someone to kind of walk you through this and not do it alone. There's Navda everywhere. And if you don't have that, Nastra has stuff. I mean, there's, there's different groups that have different things and that if you really don't have a community for it, that's where I would start. Cause that's how I found mine. You know, I didn't, uh, it's all through Navda. I met Kirk, I met, uh my other buddy and then had a friend in kansas that was kind of correlated with all of them uh and so that's really is just you know, try to connect with people because i think that's probably been the easiest thing for me to get well, one places to hunt and two like like getting taught you know if you don't know you can go read stuff and watch youtube videos but uh expanding your kind of community and having friends and people to hunt with i would say would probably be the most or like the best way to start it out
0: that's really good are you uh, are you going to continue not a testing lady
1: no she's well my original goal is to get a prize one on her she got a prize two the last time but on the utility test and then maybe do the invitational with her uh it's kind of changed a little bit since I decided to breed her because mm-hmm. now I'll have my own kennel name before dog and I'll have either as male or female that is from her and so I'll mm-hmm. probably push that dog to get the prize one that gotcha. invitational and, and now I'm teaching her hand signals so she can't she probably won't go do a duck search again or she would but mm-hmm. she'll pop and look at me is what will happen so that's the, mm-hmm. why you can never teach a dog how to cast because, you know, like on duck hunts, if she casts in the middle of the water and she's not seeing anything, she's going to look back at me and, and I'll just back her. Or I'll give her direction. Well, anytime you do that on an ABDA test, you get dinged a point.
0: gotcha So the, in the duck searches, they want just the all natural They search. want, well,
1: ideally what they want is the dog to cross right where they tell you the duck's at. She's about a hundred ish yard cross and then search 10 minutes that shoreline and bring the duck back to you. And they usually expect you to find the duck. So they find the duck. And then you have to recast them without a cue. So you just have to heal them and send them and they got to go search again and at least prove that they're searching again and not just waiting for you to tell them where to go. Like they, oh, want wow. to see. yeah, it's, it's a little tricky.
0: Yeah. And you, and you mentioned something about the time. So they, so she came, she searched for eight minutes, but they want 10 minutes. So yeah. they want them to search a certain amount of time.
1: Yeah. At least 10 minutes. Yeah.
0: Oh, like, I didn't know a that.
1: prize like prize one they have to search a certain amount of time yeah even if they find the duck they still send them out and uh like say they find the duck in like two minutes they won't make them go search a whole other eight minutes without that but they will make them prove that they're searching like they want to see that
0: so um, they want to send them back out
1: yeah no they'll make yeah they'll make you send them back out you if your dog finds it in two minutes it's not like you just got your prize and you go away no you have to teach them to stay out which is it's, I mean, it's just more natural. You have to let it, like you have to train that. Like I used to, when I did duck search training, I used to put out like five or six ducks at a time. So there wouldn't just be one. So she got used to sending four times and stuff like that. So just different ways to train for it, which is, it's, it's good and bad. Um, like I said, I don't like it cause I hunt big water here most of the time and I need hand signals, but sure, it's, I could see the positive side of it because oh, you know, definitely duck goes down in a flooded corn field, which I, that happened to us in South Dakota <clears throat> Uh, Lady wasn't even one yet, but my buddy had a utility tested dog and he just sent it to search and the dog came back with a mallard. I'm sitting there holding that drink. I was like, huh, that's where that's
0: useful. Come in in handy. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but I think that's about it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's really cool. Um, all right, brother. So we're going to end this on our rapid fire questions. So a couple, uh, couple questions I'll ask you, just kind of give me your, uh, your short answer. I always tell everyone if you need to expand, <laughs> you can expand <laughs> there. Are, this is not hard and fast rules, but, uh, would you prefer a solo hunt with you and your dog or a group hunt with some buddies? Is my dog on the group hunt or just me uh, dog dog as well.
1: Probably my dog with the group. If not, my dog's not okay. with that group, me and my dog.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> no one's asked that before. I'm it's assuming the dog, is, the dog is always with me. I will yeah, not. Well, well I, I don't think I would hunt without a dog.
1: Well, I had a group and they were like, we're, we have our other dog. And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm going to go to this other lake and hunt solo then since I, y'all don't, I can't bring you know, mine. And they were like, Why? what do you mean? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's what I said. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's... <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that's gutsy. <laughs> um, uh, if not a poodle, uh, poodle pointer, what, uh, what's your second favorite breed?
1: I mean, I love labs. I'll, I'll never not love labs just because I love their temperament. I love that they'll, they'll do anything for you. Uh, and uh, probably labs. Up Upland versatile dogs uh, I haven't seen it. I like Vichlas. I've worked with a guy that has some really good Vichlas that I like. I call them little jumping beans, hmm. uh, cause that's what they look like to me. So <laughs> I like those.
0: That's awesome. Do you, uh, do you in, sorry, this is a side question in uh, the service world, your therapy world are, are you seeing some other breeds of dogs and what are some other breeds you've seen that do this can, or can do this well?
1: So it's all. It's almost. It's not frowned upon, but no one will tell you just to get a versatile dog for service work. Which I would probably agree with. Like it's. Mm. It's going to be a unique service dog therapy owner, but I mean, there's plenty of therapists and people that have service dogs that hunt and do outdoor stuff. So I think those type of people could utilize them for that, but they're really not utilized much because, uh, I mean, if you don't know how to work them in the hunting part, then they're not going to ever be viable in the service area mm. because they're going to just be. 24 seven are searching or tracking, you know, they sit, hit a scent that they're not used to. And if they're not trained that that's something I can ignore right now, then they're going to go try to track it. And, mm. it's, and so I, I would say that that's probably been like what's deterred people from it. I mean, and, and poodle pointer, people won't ever sell them to non hunters. I mean, like, you know, it's very niche, small, like I think yeah, like it's like, you were know, 5,000.
0: Yeah. When you were, um, when my power went out, we were trying to record this a couple of nights ago. Um, you, you mentioned just how, like, Kind of tight and small this poodle pointer community is.
1: Yeah, it's it's everyone knows everyone. Uh, I will probably say that to the most part. It's <laughs> yeah. a it's it's a small organiza- or a small group because I like I think ladies literally like number fifty three hundred ever registered. No Maybe way. Been here. Oh yeah, so less than five thousand wow. ever wow. uh, in the U.S. since like the fifties, I guess, is when they were first imported by a guy named Bodo and Bob started breeding them. I guess in the seventies. Okay. I'm not even sure actually when his kennel started, but he's been doing it forever. I mean, he's got tons of dogs. And so he started breeding them and everyone kind of, he they created NAVDA. NAVDA huh. was created by two of three Poodle Pointer people, Bodo huh. and Bob, I think, were the main two. And then the, I forgot the other person, but they created that testing system and kind of started saying, Hey, uh, we're going to test our dogs only hunt tests, no confirmation tests. They do look at their coats like, and they judge them. Um, but they technically, it's not against the breed standard to, to have like a different style of coat they're not really looked at for that it's more of is it a tested hunting dog yes or no and that's kind of the question that everyone breeds off of
0: gotcha and this is kind of a weird technical technical question i guess maybe you don't know the answer to so um so when they're breeding poodle pointers now they're just breeding poodle pointer to another poodle pointer right they're not or, or are they still mixing in poodles and
1: well they don't make some poodles anymore and that's always kind of like a topic of debate so now Navda requires dna testing and Mm. there's always talks of older breeders breeders big time breeders that would throw a pointer in there every once in a while Mm. um and not tell anybody and just (laughs) sell the dogs to like a small group to be honest and so then people are like well what what's that and so then uh you can look into the pedigree summit kind of see where that's at it's just not you don't know if that uh, makes sense so i know in like the czech and austria they still introduce pointers there in germany i think you can still get permission bodo was the only guy that had permission from navda i think to introduce pointers um and, and,
0: and real quick when you say pointer we're we talking english pointer or? uh
1: like a standard like a, like old a G- school pointer. G- gs gsp no not a gsp no like a legit pointer like a what do they call them um
0: the, the english pointer
1: yeah i think an english pointer yeah okay
0: okay the big white dogs yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Those. So gotcha. he
1: actually went and found, cause I called, so he went and found this dog called DeMarc's Gift, which his dad was like one of the best, or he was a field trialer. Like they called him a quarter miler, you know, he'd range out a quarter mile type dog is what they said. And so he was like a huge dog. That's the last pointer Bodo introduced in the poodle pointer lines back in the day. And so you can look at Uh, the lines. And I think that's the only one that I've seen recently. And like I said, I don't know if NAVDA would give people permission to do that anymore. I don't don't know how all that works because DNA testing stuff now, but I know poodles aren't ever introduced to it anymore. And that was the last time a pointer was. And they're they're pretty much just only bred to each other. Like I don't think anyone here is trying to throw pointers into it anymore. Like, gotcha.
0: So and they're so they're set enough. They're where you don't need to kind of throw in those. No, no, you okay. don't. I okay. think they do That's that
1: to add range because and then also like so these dogs are from Germany, right? Uh, so. Bodo's idea that's where he was from his idea was we hunt a lot different here than we do in germany he goes mm. so the dogs that they have as their best hunting dogs aren't going to be good here we don't do yeah. drive hunts it's very different stuff. yeah he's like so i'm going to raise dogs to kind of hunt here uh and so that's why i think he threw more, more pointers into it just for that reason, because you know we have wide open country here and and i don't know what the czech land is like so Lady's dad's actually from the czech republic he's an import oh wow Um, and he was supposedly Bob's like one of his best chucker dogs, like open country, just hauling, but was not great in the water where her mom was like great in the water. So I don't know if check has a lot of land too. And that's where they've added pointers, but lady doesn't have the big block head, wide hips, like stoutness that a lot of poodle pointers have. She's more slender, kind of like a pointer. So I think if I were to look at her dad. There's probably one without not too many four generations back. So. Gotcha.
0: Okay. Very <laughs> well. Thank you for that. It was a, we took a little detour <laughs> back to our rapid fire. Uh, what gun are you carrying out into the uplands? And also what gun are you carrying into uh waterfall? So I, maybe I, the same.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a kind of, I've always been, uh, we got to just try to do what we can. So I carry like an a 400 12 gauge. Is what I shoot right now. I don't really have. I have a 20 gauge pump that I bring out every once in a while. I'm old 12 gauge pump, but I don't usually hunt besides with that gun, just cause it's my favorite. I like it. And then I like, uh, I don't think I've ever been good enough to just be like, you know what? I can just go try this niche hunting. So like, it's like, I got to take the the biggest guy I, uh, to be honest, I mean, that's
0: nothing wrong with that. I'm not that
1: good. So I have to make up for it, with my gun. but no, I, my goal this year is to shoot my 20 gauge a lot more just because I, I don't know. I, I like that. I've gotten, I have gotten a better shot, you know, training dogs, shooting pigeons for a lot of times a year you get better i mean like it's just yeah. naturally i've gotten i've gotten to where i can hold a camera in one hand and like almost like, <laughs> like this like I've, I've recorded some of those so that's awesome
0: um, that's awesome uh all right favorite uh favorite bird species to hunt so far i know you're somewhat somewhat uh, new to the
1: this upland, just the sage grouse has to be the big ones i haven't yet and then huns i haven't done huns i've had her- heard huns are fun yeah um uh, it's it's either ducks or pheasant, I can't uh <laughs> probably pheasant, okay, the chase is so I mean especially like I don't know a Kansas public land pheasant late season mm. in a crowded busy like you know it's been just hammered and your dog gets one later on like that is that's fun to me, like I like that that feeling uh, but a mallard decoying in thirty degree water, like that's cool ice. too. Oh, that's cool both, too. I don't know. It's I would say it's a tie between those two.
0: Okay, it sounds very close. <laughs> yeah. All right, last one. A uh, beverage of choice after a hunt.
1: Uh, I drink a lot of teas nowadays, you know, I nice. like, uh, I like flavored teas. So like blackberry, hibiscus, stuff like ooh, that. Ooh, uh, we're
0: going fancy here.
1: Yeah. Like I oh. I, 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 like, well, I started brewing teas when I actually, I was in my halfway house because, uh, they were like, you know, they had this place called Vana where they like open oh, up yeah. these massive things. Like, like you smell it, and be like you like that aroma? I was like, oh uh-huh. my God, it's just like buying <laughs> drugs. Like if I'm being honest, I, was like, I like, this a lot. So sure, I got a lot into teas off of that. <laughs> That's so awesome.
0: I, You're I a uh, sweet tea fan down there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chick-fil-A or Raisin Cane? Sweet tea.
1: Chick-fil-A's sweet tea is garbage. Unless really? It's yeah. It's not that good. Unless it's wow. the summertime. They have that like peach one that they come out in the summertime. Their lemonade at Chick-fil-A is good. Yeah. Uh, sweet tea from chicken express is the best down here. It's chicken. It's, okay. I haven't had 90, that. 90% sugar when you're here. Go find a chicken <laughs> express and get some. You might have, you'll find, find out if you have diabetes or not. I promise.
0: Okay. Good, good test. It's like that, uh, the test that the women do when they're pregnant, that, that, uh, that sugar test they yeah.
1: do. Yeah, no, I'm telling you that thing is like, it's, it's syrupy almost like it's like thick tea. Like I'm not yeah. being sarcastic, but it's, it, it's, good.
0: I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're, you're wanting me to try. Not, <laughs> it's not appealing to me right now, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll try it. It's sweet.
1: All I'll say is it's, okay. if you want sweet
0: tea, it's sweet. All right. All right. Sounds good, man well cool how can uh how can people get a hold of you uh if they have questions if they just want to connect with you more what's the best way to do that um uh, probably my
1: instagram uh or facebook or i mean i don't know my cell phone i give out to everybody but, you know, <laughs> even my patients all have my cell phone number uh so it's my last name stoner it's s-t-o-h-n-e-r there's a silent h in there which kind of throws people off, but it's pronounced stoner and stoners poodle pointers is my Instagram handle. So I think that probably is where my cell phone number, which is 214-215-9650. And just what
0: is call that? Me. Look at that! First uh, cell phone number given out on the podcast. <laughs> You're a brave I, I'm man.
1: A, I'm an open book when it comes to a lot of this stuff too, and I and I actually like helping people in any form or fashion. I mean, I I've, I've taken a call from it actually when I was driving to uh, Kansas. I had a dad that texted me at like 2 a.m. like Hey, I don't expect a response. We're kind of in this emergency situation. I don't know what to do. Could you give me a call back in the morning? I was calling right there, and I was wow. like, Oh, hey, I'm on my way to Kansas. Right? Was, you know, he's like, I did not expect you to call me. He's like, But I appreciate you know, like he couldn't yeah. believe it. So I, I really do kind of enjoy my job both both of them, like training, hunting, breeding, uh, and counseling. So I'm, I kind of don't mind getting a lot of calls and texts. That's, and,
0: uh, uh, that's incredible, man. Thanks for, thanks for opening up, sharing a little bit of your story, your passion uh, with hunting, your work, uh, all that. I just, I really appreciate this conversation. Love getting to know you. And, yeah. uh, I think you're going to have a lot of fun uh, raising these pups the next few weeks. <laughs>
1: i've heard the first three weeks are the easy ones too is the crummy part oh, oh
0: geez oh yeah once i get more mobile right that's yeah that's where it becomes yeah. tricky
1: so we'll see how that goes but no i'm excited yeah no we'll have to definitely especially you're in colorado sometime up there yeah we'll have to plan a hunt together somewhere and definitely go some britney's and you can see some poodle pointers if absolutely
0: you ever see she's absolutely a,
1: she's a fun one so
0: i'm excited i'll uh i'll be up in I don't know where I'm going. I keep saying Montana. I might go to North Dakota now. Wyoming. I don't know. I'm still figuring out my my fall.
1: Wyoming, late September. September 27th is my birthday, so I get a trip then.
0: Oh, nice. That's my. uh, Oh no, my kid's birthday is a couple days later. Very close, but
1: yeah. So I always like, so I get a trip that time, and that's early season for most stuff. But I think I'm gonna go chase sage grouse then, and then I don't know. I'm gonna go to South Dakota at least once, and then a lot of my puppies are going to like a, a grouse guide. Two grouse guides in wisconsin that i got invited to go hunt with nice north dakota so i'm i might go try to visit some pups probably this next year or after that year probably the year after so I can yeah see how they're
0: doing yeah definitely yeah. that's exciting man well scott yeah. thanks again man really enjoyed this and uh, we'll be talking again soon all right all
1: right well have a good one man
0: you too all right that is a wrap of episode 17 of the upland rookie podcast guys thanks so much for uh, for tuning in giving this one a listen uh scott was an amazing guest i really love chatting with him uh him and i talk quite a bit still just uh catching up i'm seeing how his pups are doing and uh just a fun guy to talk to um again newer to upland hunting uh hunts a lot of the waterfall in texas and uh i love how he just just went for it drove up to south dakota last year and uh got it done So really, really a fun guy. Scott, thanks so much for your time, brother. It was uh, a fun one doing with you. Uh, Hey, guys, uh, don't forget, if you can uh, leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, that would mean the world to me. Uh, I read every single one of those reviews you write, um, and it it serves the algorithm gods of Apple. (laughs) It just helps this podcast get out there to more people, uh, more hunters, dog lovers, uh, just like you. Um, So go ahead, leave a rating and a review. I would love for you to do that. Uh, Also share it with a friend, uh, share it on social media, Uh, send the the podcast link to your, your mom, your brother sister i don't care someone your neighbor your aunt your uncle (laughs) you know the drill um yeah guys it's all i got for you this week uh stay tuned next week Uh, i got another great episode coming out for you uh we're hitting the podcast apps every tuesday so make sure uh, you guys are subscribed uh, and getting those episodes every tuesday when they are coming out so guys thanks so much again for the support it means so much to me um hey until next week uh just remember If, uh, if you're not lucky enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, don't worry because any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on those boots and have fun. Peace.